All right. So uh, welcome back to Stargate Weekly. This week, we're going to do a very special episode out of time. Out of franchise, even. Yes. It'll be our fourth episode out of time. I am Stuart Hollis, and I am joined, as always, by... And this week we're going to talk about Thad's trip to Las Vegas to this uh, crazy Star Trek convention. Indeed. At this point, I'm permission to turn it over to you, and I might chime in from time to time. So, sure. Oh man, you said you were going to prepare a list of questions. <laughs> well, then let me give you some questions. Uh, so, first of all, uh, it was in Vegas, yes. Yes, it was. Is in fact called. Star Trek Las Vegas, or the official Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Okay. And was this also the 50 years of Star Trek convention, or was that last year? No, that was last year. But this was the 30 years of TNG convention. Ah, okay. So which hotel was it at? It was in the Rio, which is probably the only place it could have been, because that's the largest convention space in Las Vegas. Next up, how long was it? Five days. So when did you get in? Uh, the convention ran from Wednesday the 2nd? Yes, that's how math works. Yes. Uh, Wednesday the 2nd <laughs> through uh, Sunday the 6th, and I got in late Tuesday night uh, and left on Sunday evening. I was I did miss the final event of the convention just because I wasn't able to get a flight that worked for me on Monday. Oh, okay. Don't feel bad about the math works thing. Saying it went from the second through the sixth, so therefore five days, always throws me off, and it's literally a key part of my job. Yeah, no, there's that. Plus, no, I was trying to count back to, well, I'm, I'm thinking today's the eighth, so last Wednesday was, that was where my problem was but yes (laughs) but anyway um to actually go back several months before the convention uh the reason that i was even at this convention is because of a crowdfunded documentary about star trek deep space nine and one of the things they were doing was if you gave them a lot of money you got uh, admission to the convention as well as a meet and greet with some of the cast of Deep Space Nine and the the crew of the documentary and well that sounded really cool to me and I had always wanted to go to a Star Trek convention so why not go to the biggest one of them all cool being sort of like a relative term because to most other humans such as the ones who don't listen to Stargate Weekly a weekly Stargate podcast (laughs) that is in fact the very antithesis of cool yes oh totally (laughs) which would be like oh so describe your coolest thing well it's definitely not five days in the desert at a Star Trek convention with a bunch of other nerds explicitly like I got there explicitly because of a documentary about <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah. But not like all of Star Trek, just a little bit of Star Trek. I mean yeah. it was the deepest, spaciest, niniest Star Trek, but The nerdiest would have been if it was an animated series documentary. <sighs> yeah, no, that'd be pretty nerdy. <laughs> okay. So my next question, and I saw the pictures that you posted, and we'll have them all up on our facebook page 
Uh-huh. So my question to you is, who were some noticeable absences? Because asking you who was there That'll take would a take a long time, <laughs> and you'll probably miss some. But who kind of stuck out as like as as absences for not obvious reasons? Okay, well, um, as far as the original series went, all of the main cast who are still alive was there. Wonderful. Uh, as far as Next Generation. Uh, they were all there except Jonathan Frakes and Will Wheaton. Where was Will Wheaton? I have no idea. Jonathan Frakes was supposed to be there, but his flight was canceled. And he couldn't get... Apparently, like, all flights from Chicago to Vegas were canceled. For five days? Uh, he was not going to be there for five days. He was oh. going to be there one day. Oh, okay. That's so strange. Okay, and what about uh, any of the other shows? I mean, you were there for Deep Space Nine. Yes. Uh, Deep Space Nine was lacking quite a few, unfortunately. Um, Originally, it was going to be the whole... It was going to be the whole cast minus Avery Brooks, uh, Sirik Lofton. I have no idea if that's actually the correct way to pronounce his first name because I've never heard it pronounced. Uh, And uh, Cole Meany, but uh, Alexander Sadig also canceled oh that's a shame the first two you mentioned who were their characters i don't know the actors as well avery brooks was benjamin cisco oh of course eric lofton was jake cisco right okay well all respect to the cisco family obviously i was not all that cares about jake (laughs) Uh, you know i'm sure he's a one uh the actor is a wonderful guy but yeah i wasn't all that heartbroken but he's part of the name he's part of the the main like in the theme cast so Oh, that's right. He was. But okay. they also did have people who were not part of the theme in the theme cast, like uh, Max Grodenchik. Excuse me, Max Grodenchik, who plays uh, Rom, Cork's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog, Rom's son, uh, who was arguably a more important character than Rom. Actually, uh, he was the first Ferengi to join Starfleet. He was. Uh, it w- there was also um, Chase Masterson, who played Lita, the Bajoran Dabu girl who later becomes Rom's wife. Okay. Uh, then there was also uh, Jeffrey Combs was there. Well, I mean, at that point, it's sort of like, he has to be. He's been on every Star Trek show. Had, no, was he ever on Voyager? I want to say he was. He but, had to have been, uh, right? I th- I'm not 100% sure. He was definitely on DS9 and Enterprise, obviously. I want to say he was on Next Generation at some point. He probably was. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs. Oh, man. For those who don't know, because I don't think he's ever been on Stargate, although he might have been. Lay it on him. I'm checking that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Combs uh, is a character actor who plays... Oh, so many characters. And uh, on Star Trek, uh, he was most well-known for the character of Weyoun on Deep Space Nine and Shran on Enterprise. But he also played multiple characters on those shows. No, he has never been on a Stargate. But That's a shame. Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Voyager, Deep Space Nine. Maybe not TNG then. But not TNG. TNG is not listed. He was in one episode of Voyager as Pink. Okay. Uh, he was on mul- 32 different episodes of Deep Space Nine as Weyoun, Brunt, Officer Mulcahy, and Tyron. 
Oh, right. Oh, right. Officer Mulcahy. I'm like, that, that, the weird, like, flashback one to the 60s. Uh, yes. And on Enterprise, he was, of course, Commander Shran, and also someone named Krim. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he yeah. The man was just a Star Trek workhorse. Oh, absolutely. Love Jeffrey Combs. And once you know what he looks like, you can't help but recognize him, no matter how much makeup he has on. And once you know what he sounds like, too. He has a very distinct yes, voice. Yes, that, of course. Absolutely. So, okay, so we've got TNG. Most of them were there. Yes. Deep Space Nine, again, most of them were there. Mm-hmm. How about Voyager and Enterprise? Uh, Voyager, most of them were there. Nice. Um, Jerry Ryan was not there. Uh, or uh, Roxanne Dawson. Uh, hmm. Okay, actually, for Voyager, all the men were there, plus Kate Mulgrew. jerry ryan was seven of nine and roxanne for our last name already dawson roxanne dawson was uh belana torres and jennifer lean who played kess was also not there yeah okay what about enterprise uh for enterprise um they were missing scott bakula uh it's pretty large omission <laughs> yes uh, uh but uh connor Trenier and dominic keating were there the whole con uh oh nice yeah and uh so was jeff billingsley um and then uh linda park and um trying to remember his name now the actor who played mayweather ah man i'm totally blanking but anyway they were there for the enterprise panel on the last day that I missed because I was at my DS9 meet and greet. You had met John Billingsley. Did I say Jeff? Yes. I don't know who Jeff Billingsley is. Yes, I had, in fact, met John Billingsley. So I was looking him up because uh, John Billingsley is another character actor. And he's been on Stargate. So has Connor Trenier, for that matter. Well, I was going to get to that. Hold your horses. But something that's great for us is that he was born in Media, Pennsylvania, where... That I did not know. ...where our dear friend Dave lives. Yeah. So, nice little... I did know that Dave lived in Media, but I did not know that John Billingsley was from there, and I'm willing to bet that you didn't know John Billingsley was from there until two minutes ago. I didn't. Oh, and Anthony Montgomery played uh, Mayweather on Enterprise. Oh, excellent. Okay. So, but there were also many yeah. minor actors. I'm not going to go into who, how many there were. There were so many. Well, I don't need you to, because I asked you who wasn't there. So tell <laughs> me which tell minor, minor actors, actors weren't there. <laughs> so, okay, so no, but uh, what you had said before uh, dovetails neatly into my next point now that we've gone through the cast mm-hmm. of the major uh, Star Trek series. Uh, well, there were also members of the Discovery cast there as well. Uh, yes, no, I I forgot all about that. Of course, Discovery is happening, but not all of the cast? No, and in fact, not the main cast. Not like the, the big names in the cast, like Jason Isaacs and uh, Sneakwood Martin Green weren't there. I am not going to be surprised at all if Jason Isaacs is main cast for two episodes and then dies heroically. He's credited for all 15. So... Just saying. Dies heroically and comes back as a ghost. I don't know, man. It just seems like like uh, when Shooter McGavin, to get this back to Stargate, Shooter McGavin, uh, something McDonald. Oh, man. I was 
Yeah, I don't know the guy's name. I, that's why I just said Tommy Jefferson. <laughs> yes, I only know him as Shooter, as Shooter McGavin. Uh, you know, he wasn't there at the convention, and he played. He had a minor role in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Really? Yeah, yesterday's Enterprise. Okay, but he was not at the convention. Christopher McDonald. That's it. Yes. So I don't even. Know, but in the same way that Christopher McDonald, that's a that's a big known actor outside mm-hmm. of sci-fi shows he's on universe and then wasn't on universe ah uh, yeah that's what my perspective was on uh, hey look we've got jason isaacs the tv is a different landscape now it's less of a thing to be on a tv show i mean god look at Mad Men or Breaking Bad or House of Cards or any of the amazing TV shows that are being produced today or in recent years where you've taken someone who traditionally was a movie star and put them into this position, whereas before that was like, oh, well, I guess you're not a movie star anymore. Who was, who was the movie star on Mad Men? Shut up. That's who. I mean, John Hamm is one now. Yes, but it it was more of I'm um, I'm thinking, for example, of the line from Entourage, which we love, mm-hmm. which was yeah, oh yeah. Hey, George, <laughs> George Clooney was on ER, and the and the reply was George Clooney wasn't George Clooney when he did ER. That's totally true, right? Which is absolutely true, but Kevin Spacey on House of Cards. End of conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, getting back to my actual question from 20 minutes ago or something. <laughs> now that we've gone through the Star Trek properties, who of the crossover actors that have been on both Stargate and Star Trek, especially in a big way, such as, say, Connor Trenier, mm-hmm. who else was there? Well, uh, Robert Picardo, who was a crossover actor in an even bigger way because he was named cast on Atlantis. Okay, fine. Named cast. But, I mean, dude, Connor Trenier. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Robert Picardo. Okay, Robert Picardo is the only one that was named cast on both Stargate and Star Trek. So Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that's, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had Robert Picardo. We had Connor Trenier, uh, who played, uh, for those who don't know, was Michael on Atlantis, mm-hmm. as well as... Commander Trip Tucker on Enterprise. And also there was Paul McGillian, who is a much bigger Stargate name than a Star Trek name. Uh, he did have a small role in the 2009 Star Trek film, but people, sci-fi fans in general, know him much better as Dr. Carson Beckett from Atlantis. Hell yeah. And, well, John Billingsley was on an episode of uh, SG-1. I think, it, I think he was only ever in one yeah, but I mean, he's Billingsley is much better known. I would say probably for Enterprise. Oh yeah, that has to be one of his longest running characters. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever been the main cast on any other show. He's had lots of work in lots of things, but oh, absolutely. He apparently, uh, I'm looking through his IMDb page now. He was also on Harry's Law. <laughs> uh, for those who didn't catch the reference, Tommy Jefferson. Uh, Christopher McDonald played Tommy Jefferson on a short-lived show called Harry's Law, which uh, was pretty entertaining. I understand why it was short-lived. It didn't have anywhere to go. 
Yeah. But it was entertaining. Especially Chris McDonald as Tommy Jefferson. Uh, but yeah, he was. On, it looks like he was on a season of a show called Intelligence, which starred um, Sawyer from Lost. I think that was the one where he gets like the NSA computer downloaded into his brain. No, I'm not talking about that other show where the NSA computer gets downloaded into the guy's brain, Chuck. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, he just he shows up from time to time. He had a very memorable character in The West Wing in one of the big block of cheese episodes when they're talking about the wolf highway no sorry the maps the maps people he was one of the map people oh yeah it's upside down yes freaking me out yes and i have to correct myself i was wrong that almost never happens i saw i swear i saw people on facebook talking about uh the actor whose name i just mentioned and then have forgotten again john billingsley no the Enterprise guy. Well, <laughs> Mayweather. Yeah, uh, Anthony Montgomery. I swear I saw people talking about Anthony Montgomery, but he was not on the Enterprise panel. So I don't know. Well, fine. Okay, so tell me about some of the panels. All right. Well, there were a lot of them, <laughs> but uh, the probably the the biggest and the one that like they were billing to make this convention special was the TNG 30th anniversary panel, which originally was going to have the entire main cast, except Will Wheaton and Will Wheaton is, was a main cast member, but he was not for the whole show. So, so Will Wheaton was never going to be there. No, Will Wheaton was never listed as a guest. I don't, but why? I don't know. (sighs) You know, he may actually be trying to distance himself from Star Trek. Like, he's totally into, like, all sorts of nerdy things, but he may not want to do Star Trek things. I could be completely wrong on that, though. It's just, based on some things I've heard, he's he tr- he's trying to go forward with his life instead of looking back to Star Trek. Fine. But anyway, uh, because Jonathan Frakes couldn't make it, they brought in um, John Delancey and Denise Crosby. For the panel. Denise Crosby. Tasha Yar. Oh, okay. So also main cast, but for less than a season. Right. The real question is, who had more episodes? John Delancey. <laughs> she did. Okay. But that, you know, that was interesting. That was something that came up. Uh, apparently, originally, Q was going to be appearing several times a season. Hmm. But they realized that he had such a big effect every time he showed up that they needed to tone him down. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. So that panel was great. It was, um, it was originally going to be a moderated panel where, you know, first off the moderator has a bunch of questions and then they open up to the floor, but they basically, they said, no, we don't want a moderator. We just want to do a Q and a with the guests. Nice. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, because because of that, I guess, and other things, the panel started half an hour late, but still ended on time. Okay. Which was sort of annoying. And I, for me, uh, I had paid for admission that got me a reserved seat for panels uh, and also included admission to this TNG event. But uh, for general admission people, the TNG panel was actually a, an additional charge. Wow. So I can certainly see how some of those people would be annoyed about a panel that ends up uh, a two hour panel that was only an hour and a half long. Oh, absolutely. Now that's, I tend to, I've only been to a few conventions, 
I don't think I've ever been to a panel at a convention, largely because the convention that I've been to more than any other is usually gaming conventions. Mm-hmm. And I just don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't really. Same way. You know, I, I, I love gaming, but I. And I even really enjoy hearing about the nuts of nuts and bolts about how creative collaborative things are made and maybe i'm prejudging the panels at the various gaming conventions i've been to pax a couple of times i went to whatever that one in baltimore is uh i went to uh games day once which is um uh warhammer 40k games workshop Mm -hmm. convention so maybe it's where i've been going maybe i'm prejudging but who knows what but the panels you went to were good yeah uh and i'm the same way like i've been to a a couple comic cons and uh gaming conventions and i've never cared about the panels there either but star trek is a whole other animal for me oh yeah Uh, yeah, definitely (laughs) did you get a chance to ask a question no i didn't uh and they didn't really uh for most of the panels they they usually only took like four or five questions at the end the way it worked and i i just let other people do that um there was actually some there were actually some mutterings from people uh about that because the same people kept going up really early and getting to ask questions at every panel oh really yeah so at a certain point by like day three somebody's like there's bob again (sighs) well and i'm gonna try to say this without like insulting these people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them uh, was mother and her son. Okay. Uh, their last name is Kirk and she has mm. named her son, James, or no, sorry, Patrick James Tiberius Kirk. And she also felt the need to introduce him as such before every time she asked a question. Okay. Yes. I can see how that, wow. <laughs> um, it was actually, uh, the entire auditorium burst out laughing um, at the TNG panel, which was on Friday. So she had already done this multiple times at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, she came up and said this uh, to the TNG panel. And Marina Sirtis, who apparently has no brain-to-mouth filter, um, <laughs> just based on everything that she said, <laughs> um, uh, said, why would you do that to your son? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, okay then. And yeah, basically the entire theater burst out laughing and started clapping. That makes sense. Uh, and it's just yeah, there was a little there were definitely there were definitely a lot of people on the there was a app specifically for the convention where mm-hmm. you could talk about things. There were a lot of people muttering on that about them and there is also a Facebook group. I'd like to make a shout out here to uh, a really great Facebook group. Um, the unofficial Star Trek Las, Ve- Las Vegas convention group, uh, which has been going for years. And they get all of these people together to talk about the convention and, you know, schedule events and meet up and think. It's run by a, a few people, uh, including the hosts of a star trek podcast called shore leave 
which is on the Tricorder Transmissions Network, which is a network of Star Trek podcasts. Uh, but Shore Leave in particular is about conventions. And they, they, the, they had some great podcasts like 101 about what to expect at the con that I listened to before going to the con and really helped me immeasurably. And the group in, in particular was really great. Uh, I'd like particularly to shout out to uh, one of the co-hosts of that podcast, Heather Barker, who uh, I happened to, I happened to meet at the convention. We were both on a shuttle to an event together. So if you're still listening at this point, hi, Heather. Hey, that's great. This that group uh, was was great, and there was <laughs> there were definitely some mutterings about the Kirk family. Um, but I mean, it's they it's, they made some interesting life choices, I suppose, but they weren't too bad. It was just the fact that they were always the first to ask questions was, and there was one other guy uh, who was all who was almost always there to a- ask a question, and he would ask these long questions where he would oftentimes I don't know if he was making stuff up or he was just believing everything he's read on the internet but he was often referencing things that never happened and the guest would say like this is the first I've ever heard of that you feel like after doing that three times that you'd start to question yourself yes You'd think so. But anyway, I didn't I did not uh, want to go on this podcast to rant about the convention because overall it was a great experience. Um, so that those were just a few things that. Eh. But anyway, small dim spots in an otherwise bright and glorious yes. convention. The panels were for the most part great. Obviously, it depended a lot on the particular guests. Some of some were better than others. Uh, but the TNG panel was great. You could tell that they had that they as a cast had a lot of really great chemistry and rapport with each other. Uh, several of the panels were really good. Um, some people that I honestly didn't know were funny were really funny. Like, would you have guessed that Garrett Wong would be the funniest one on Voyager? No. Honestly, I would have thought that it would have been... Um... Oh, goodness. What's his name? Tuvok. Tim Russ? Thank you. Yes. I mean, he's reasonably funny, too. I I, I would have guessed Tim Russ. The, honestly, they were all funny. Okay. Uh, Ethan Phillips was exactly as funny as you would expect him to be. Ethan uh, Phillips? Neelix. Okay. As you know, I've seen every episode <laughs> of Voyager. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I was paying attention during the opening crawl. But basically, Garrett Wong had a bunch of stories to tell that were all hilarious. Okay. Yeah, the the Voyager crew was funny. Um, the uh, One of the panels that I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought I would was uh, Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov, or Koenig, not Koenig, uh, who played Chekhov on the original series. This uh, one, you tell us, the actor and character, not <laughs> Garrett Wong. <laughs> Or any of the other ones. But Walter Koenig, <laughs> you clarify, played Chekhov. Well, well, though I realized I should probably do this for all of them at this point. Yes, yes. You should have been doing this the entire time. <laughs> anyway, Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov, was, ha- had uh, his own Q&A by himself. Uh, and he was great. Uh, it was especially 
it, it was especially cool to watch this 80-year-old man jogging back and forth across the stage to answer questions from either side. Why was he jogging? I, I think because he wanted to. Why did he feel the need to move? Just, like, pivot your body be like, yes? Yes? He sat down at the very beginning of the panel, and then, like, the first time the moderator asked him a question, he stood up, and then I don't think he sat down again. Okay. Yeah, most of them, they would just stay seated and answer the question. But for him, he wanted to, like, go over and actually, like, because they had lines for questions on either side of the stage. Yes. And he, I guess he just wanted to go over and, you know, see them face to face. Get a little closer. Uh, Hey, you know. Yeah, and it was just cool, especially to see someone of his age doing that. It was, um, actually someone asked him the very last question. They asked him, how does he stay so active at his age? (laughs) And he responded that he has a copy of Deep Throat on DVD and he watches it every night. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's an odd, that's an odd answer to that question. (laughs) Yeah, but it did in fact bring the house down with laughter, which, yeah. Yeah, it would probably because of how odd it was, but just in general. Right. But he was funny. Uh, and he was really engaged with the fans, as I mentioned there. Uh, William Shatner was really good. And that, because I've heard so many horror stories about Shatner over the years mm-hmm. about him not being the nicest person and being very arrogant and all that. And I'm not saying that. The, I'm certainly not saying those stories aren't true, but he was a very pleasant person in his Q&A. And in fact, um, when uh, Patrick James Tiberius Kirk asked him, uh, the, the question was, of all the ladies that Kirk got with, and Kirk got with so many beautiful ladies, which one did which one did Shatner like getting with the most? And Shatner basically resp- basically managed to tell him that that was a stupid question and that and that uh, he appreciates beauty in all forms and that Kirk and that, that Kirk as a person did ha- was with many wonderful beautiful women but all of those actors were great and that's a that's a stupid question and perhaps you have a more profound question to ask but he said it in such a way that he wasn't insulting it so that to me specifically is interesting because shatner apparently recently went on a fresh tirade against social justice warriors well so it's it, a little funny that he had this sort of that the, the, he had this tactful appropriate 2017 response yeah, i was not expecting it from shatner to that sort of question when he just got done lambasting social justice warriors for being social justice warriors the way i see it is i he he knows his audience okay it is probably how that worked he knows he i mean having made his career on star trek right and there was a time there was that infamous SNL sketch where he told all the Star Trek fans to get a life. But other than that, he probably he he knows what he probably knows how to respond in such a way that Star Trek fans are pleased. And that's but you know, I was just impressed because I was not expecting that from Shatner. Also, 
I found it interesting that Shatner never had anything bad to say at all about his co-stars. George Takei, on the other hand, really almost ev like he had two Q and A panels, and he found multiple excuses to insult William Shatner. Wow, like actually insult or good-natured ribbing from having worked with him for so long. Uh... Okay, okay, the former. <laughs> I mean, not, like, super, like, rude, like, horrible insulting, but not friendly. I mean, and they weren't on stage together, which you certainly wouldn't expect them to be, especially because they're well known not to like each other. Well, I would have expected, I mean, you know, Decay, Shatner, Koenig, um, I'm not sure who else is alive from. Michelle Nichols. Okay, and that's it? I would have expected those four to have a group panel. No, there was no group panel. And it's probably because the other three would have refused to be on a panel with Shatner. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Michelle Nichols didn't bring it up at all. Uh, Offhandedly, when asked a question, uh, Koenig just mentioned Bill and I don't speak. And Takei just frequently made talked about uh, mentioned that uh chris pine was the first actor to play a captain of the enterprise who had all his hair and that was probably the mildest thing he said about shatner well okay then <laughs> yeah but you know it is what it is uh, uh th- it was it was really good uh the convention the way the convention works is there's panels all day there's and there's different theaters too there's like the main theater which was for the most part the main cast and stuff like that and then there was a secondary theater with some other things uh a, a, you know uh a lot of times uh groups would have panels there like not like cast groups but like other like star trek groups okay and, and then there was the there was a a tiny a smaller theater this year they called it the cbs all access stage because well, they've got to advertise. And that one was mostly like little interviews with behind, about behind the scenes stuff. There was some cool stuff there, too. That sounds interesting. And, yeah. The whole thing was there was I mean, obviously, I didn't see everything. You can't. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and there were there were uh, paid autographs and photo ops that. Some of the cat, some of the cast members just did paid uh, ticketed autographs, where if you bought your ticket ahead of time, you then joined the line and got it. Some of them just had tables in the vendor room where they would, you just walked up to them and they would sign things for you for a nominal fee. Uh, I didn't have any of the ticketed autographs. They were all way more money than I was willing to spend for an actor's signature. Right. Uh, I did get photo ops with Rene Aubergenois, who played Odo on Deep Space Nine. And Robert Picardo, who I probably don't have to say who he is for a Stargate podcast, but he played the Doctor on Voyager, and he was uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Richard Woolsey on uh, a few episodes of SG-1 and then an entire season of Atlantis. Yes. And not to get into yet another sci-fi franchise but when he says the doctor he means the holographic doctor from star trek voyager and not the doctor the doctor from doctor who yes actually he had a funny story about that of course he did uh so 
originally the character of the doctor was going to be called Doc Zimmerman after his creator. Okay. But Robert Ricardo didn't really like that. And he suggested they name him the doctor having never seen an episode of Doctor Who or knowing that the doctor that that was a thing on Doctor Who. Bear in mind when Voyager got started. Yes. This was in the 90s. Doctor Who did not was not actually on TV at all at this point. Hadn't been for what 15 years? Like 10. Okay. And at that point, especially pre-reboot in 2004, 2005? Yeah. 2005. Was one of those things that some people knew about as a thing that that exact same conversation today would not have happened. Yeah. No, uh, Doctor Who never really joined, entered the American zeitgeist until the reboot. Well, reboot's the wrong word, but the new series. Resurgence? Yeah. Well, well, the new series, because it's Mm -hmm. not a reboot. It was a continuation of the old series. But for the old series in the U.S., Doctor Who was that that campy sci-fi show that they showed on PBS. Right. It wasn't something that, like, people were... It had its following, certainly, but it wasn't something that a lot of people were into. It was no Stargate. <laughs> let's just keep okay. it real here, okay? Like, let's keep in mind what podcast this is. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of Stargate, uh, John Delancey was also on Stargate. Yes. And uh, I did come across a guy doing SG-1 cosplay. Did he explain why? I didn't ask. You don't... <sighs> I asked for a picture. I saw. So the real question is, were you in costume? No, not the whole time at all. Uh, most of the con, I was just wearing uh, humorous Star Trek-related shirts. Boring. Uh, I did wear... Uh, I did actually buy a Next Generation uniform jacket while I was there. And I wore that uh, for a little bit on one of the days, the day of all the TNG panels. Uh, and then I also had a TNG movie slash later seasons of DS9 uniform that I wore one of the days as well. Okay. But no, I, there were people in costume. There were people in different costumes every day. Uh, wow. That was a little more dedication than I have. Not a true nerd. Apparently. Apparently. So, uh, I was slightly sad. Um, I got a photo op with Rene Aubergenois, but he was only there the first day, so I was not able to get that picture autographed. Oh, pity. Yeah. I did get my picture with Robert Picardo autographed. Nice. Uh, and I did actually get a, an autographed picture of Rene Aubergenois as part of my swag bag for having supported the documentary but it was one of those it's just a picture of odo it's boring yeah it's not the picture of him with me right but it was still cool and then at the deep space nine meet and greet uh there were several actors uh the only the only members of the named cast at the meet and greet were uh terry farrell who played jedzia dax and i got my picture with her uh, 
And at that meet and greet, pictures were free. That wasn't a photo op thing. So that was nice. That is. It was like, yeah, we'll, we'll take pictures with you. It's like, awesome. And, uh, and also uh, Nicole DeBoer, who played Esri Dax, uh, Jadzia Dax's replacement, was the, at the meet and greet as well. And then there were other minor actors. Max, Reg- Max Grodenchik was there, and uh, James Darren, who played Vic Fontaine, the singer, and is also a, what's the Sinatra-esque singing called? Lounge. That's it, who is a, a famous lounge singer in his own right. Uh, and then there was also uh, J.G. Hertzler, who played Martok on Deep Space Nine, who apparently just, as far as I can tell, he just has lived and breathed Star Trek ever since he was on Star Trek, because he's at every event, no matter how small. <laughs> hey, I mean, I told you about the one Star Trek convention that I went to, so... That, that's part of the the evidence for my theory. Right. So, <laughs> for people who don't know Thad and myself, and I don't blame you for not, because there's so many people out there and we are, bit, we are but two. I, if you, on the spectrum of loving Star Trek versus loving Stargate, I'm at like an 8 or a 9 on loving Stargate and like a 6 on loving Star Trek. And that's like an average across all of the shows. And for me, I'm like an 8 or a 9 on Loving Stargate as well, and like a 10 on Star Trek. Maybe like an 11. (laughs) Possibly. Like, I, for example, have never seen all of the original series. I've seen maybe two episodes from start to finish. I've seen clips from here, here and there. I'm familiar with it, obviously. I've seen all of the movies. But I haven't seen the full run of it. I've seen the full run of DS... Watching the original series with a 21st century mindset is a little rough. I've seen DS9, obviously all of Voyager, (laughs) uh, all of Enterprise, and all of Next Generation, but only once for each of those, whereas Stargate, I've seen all the way through two or three times. Again, not not as much as Thad, but still. So when I was in college... Uh, two of the two of the people that I was friends with at the time were part of a small Star Trek group known as the Maquis, but they largely had like Klingon influences. So I don't know why they went with the Maquis, but that's not important. And there was a very small Star Trek convention at like a Holiday Inn or in a radisson or a hampton Inn or something somewhere in indiana because i went to i went to college in indiana and i went with them for the weekend and jg hertzler get that right mm-hmm. and jg hertzler was there as martok and this is a very small affair only a few hundred people at this convention and like that was my biggest takeaway from the whole thing, other than you know playing card games in the rooms at night with my friends afterwards was you know getting a chance to like meet j j Herschel and this was before I started watching Star Trek whole hog <laughs> because this was back in i don't know two thousand two or two thousand three, and so Netflix was still all d v d s and I'm a college student, and so a bunch of my stuff came off a truck. He probably still had dark hair at that time. Yes, I believe he did. Yeah. 
so uh, yeah so as thad pointed out to back up his theory of jj Herzler just being at anything star trek related he was at this tiny little couple hundred person convention in somewhere indiana i don't even remember what town indiana and was. to further provide evidence he was at a tiny little uh not even an entire day long Star Trek convention in a bookstore in Harrisburg, last, Pennsylvania, last year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's where I got that autographed picture from. Ah, uh, yes, of course. So anyway, um, J.G. Herzler apparently just... Had, had, he, he knows that he can use Star Trek. He apparently must really like it, and he knows that he can, you know... I mean, people still ask for his autograph, so more power to him. Uh, in fact, uh, J.G. Herzler and Robert O'Reilly who played uh, the Klingon Gowron on TNG and DS9, uh, appeared together in makeup for multiple things wow. at the convention, including a karaoke night. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, also, Connor Chenier and Dominic Keating of Enterprise, uh, who, as far as I can tell, are are just like, or really are just, you know, BFFs. Uh, I don't think it's a it's an act or a persona they do for the conventions. Uh, uh, they, they also hosted a karaoke night. Nice. And I got both of their autographs because they had a table next to each other at the vendor's room. And, um, at one point there was no line and I'm like, yeah, what the heck? I'll go up and shake Connor Trenier's hand. That's cool. It is. Yeah. And you know, Dominic Keating is also cool. Uh, he was Malcolm Reed on enterprise and, uh, the, they riffed on each other. Connor Trenier did try to shortchange me on my autograph, though. Really? Yeah. What do you expect, though, from a wraith? That's true. I, you know, and I shook hands with him without even thinking. Yeah, no, fool. I also shook hands with Paul McGillian. With Paul McGillian, I actually hadn't... This was on the first day. Like, I realized that the guests were, like, had tables, but I hadn't really, like, yet, like adopted the mindset that these are just regular people that I can go up and interact with yet. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh wow. I'm standing three feet away from, you know, insert person here, but it's just like, I, I guess I could just walk up, but it, it, I still hadn't like, I don't know. This is, uh, I, I, I was still sort of in awe, I guess. Okay. But I'm, I'm walking past and, uh, Paul McGillian, uh, one of the, well, uh, there was a, because they all had, well, most of them had a person, you know, helping them at their booth, like taking money, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, not all of them. Uh, Connor and Dominic did all their stuff themselves, which is how they, which is why Connor tried to take my money. But anyway, uh, 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 the woman at Paul McGillian's uh, table said, come meet Paul. It's his first convention. And I'm just like, okay, fine. So I walked up and I'm like, hey, it's my first convention too. And we shook hands and he's was super nice. Well, that's good. In fact, yeah, all of my interactions with these people were nice. And I realized that, you know, it's in their best interest to be nice because they want to make money. But Of course. But it felt authentic. Like, it, it really did seem like they, they really do enjoy meeting their fans. That's always a plus. So I'm reminded of uh, something I'd heard about two different actors. Sean Connery, need no introduction. <laughs> who when he would get stopped and asked to say oh could you please say bond james bond 
and he kind of like he started getting kind of annoyed with it Mm -hmm. which is kind of i can understand why but at the same time it's like you're who you are today because of this franchise yeah and you know come on Mm -hmm. but then you have the opposite side of that coin with carrie elwis who i'm sure to listeners of this podcast also needs no introduction but was wesley uh from princess bride and he loves apparently when people stop him and ask him to say as you wish (laughs) and i don't know how much of this is like a breakdown between the relative size of their later careers after their big starring role but and it probably has a little bit to do with recognizability, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine Sean Connery gets that a lot more than Carrie Elwes does. I suppose. But yeah, and, you know, it was thinking about stuff like that, that I never asked any of the actors to say one of their lines. Like, I I wanted to ask Rene Aubergenois to harumph at me, but I didn't. <laughs> that would have been pretty great. Yeah. It also would have been good if you had asked Paul McGillian or Connor Trenier to give you a line from Stargate rather than Star Trek. <laughs> well, Paul McGillian, I'm sure, was expecting it. He had, his table was filled with photos of Stargate for him to autograph. I mean, of course. And then Connor Trenier had a couple, too, of course. I, I mean, you know, he was in, Paul McGillian was in Star Trek for eight and a half seconds or something. Yeah. <laughs> Telling Chris Pine he's not allowed on the shuttle, but... There was a picture of that. I mean, of course there was. It was his only thing in Star Trek. Well, you know, for those people that will get the autograph of anyone who was even on Star Trek for half a second. Fair enough. Hey, Jerry Ryan's body double was signing pictures. So, and you know, if people were willing to pay for it, more power to her. Yeah, you know. All right. So is there anything else in particular that stuck out that you want to talk about? Uh, one th- one of the uh, one of the events that I went to that wasn't actually part of the convention I do want to talk about because it was just really cool. As some people are probably aware, but this is a Stargate podcast, so I'll pretend that you may not be. Uh, there has never been uh, until Star Trek Beyond. There was never a a Star Trek main character who was not heterosexual. Okay. And then in Star Trek Beyond, they had that that minor scene with Sulu meeting his male partner. Right. They don't make it clear if he's married. Right. So, yeah, and I don't want to assume. Uh, and then, of course, in Discovery, one of the cast, one of the characters is actually gay. Like, one of the named cast. Okay. Not the... I, I actually have no idea if the actor is gay or not. That never came up. But, uh... The character he plays is. So um, a few years ago, um, when it was announced that there was going to be a gay character in Star Trek Beyond, um, some people, some of the some people of the gay Star Trek fan community were understandably excited about this. Mm-hmm. So they started this party called Gays in Space, or actually, it's Gays in Space. Yes, I saw some of those pictures. You should definitely post the, a couple of those to the Facebook page. <laughs> uh, and uh, they've been running it for a couple years now, and it's super popular, so they keep doing it. And it was just great. It was this, uh, there was this party that they held um, in, the, in, a, in a gay bar in Vegas that they had rented out for the night. And they had 
they had a party bus to shuttle people back and forth from the Rio to the bar. And it was just a lot of fun. Uh, and a bun- uh, there were several Star Trek actors there. Uh, Nana Visitor, who apparently has gone to all but one. Uh, and there have been, there have been, I think they said there have been nine gays in space parties so far, because they do one at every big Star Trek event. Uh, and Nana Visitor has been to eight of them. Wow. She's, you know, really supportive, I guess, which is cool. And, no, and she was really cool. I did not get a picture with her, um, but uh, she was really cool. She, she of all of of all the people at the convention, she seemed to be one of the most like friendly, like super happy to be there people. And for those who don't know, Nana Visitor is uh, Kira from Deep Space Nine. Anyway, uh, she was at the party. Uh, John Billingsley was at the party. Up. Uh, and uh, this next thing won't surprise anyone if you listen to us 15 minutes ago. J.G. Herstler was at the party. Uh, <laughs> um, Aaron Eisenberg was there. Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil and Robert Ricardo were there. Uh, it was it was really cool. And it, it was just a p- bunch of people dancing. And uh, every once in a while, an actor would go on stage and, you know, talk about how awesome it was. And it was really cool. Uh Although John Billingsley went on stage to rant about Trump for 10 minutes, but that worked too. Hey, man, it's 2017. Everyone needs their 10 minutes to rant about Trump. Word. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I missed the Enterprise panel, as I said, but I heard that uh, John Billingsley uh, apparently echoed most of what my misgivings about uh, Enterprise Season 3. Okay. Where uh, he was extremely not happy with the fact that they condoned torture. They did a little bit. Uh, yeah, apparently John Billingsley is a man of strong left-leaning convictions and will happily tell everyone all about them. He he also is does is was really cool. Like people were um like every every so often he would at the gaze and space party he would sit down on the couch on a couch with a with with some people and chat and like every couple minutes after he did this, someone would come over and and like drag him out to dance on the dance floor. And this went on for like an hour. And he kept would sit down, and then a minute later, someone would drag him back onto the dance floor. And he kept doing it. That sounds a lot like a lot of fun. I feel like if I were to meet John Billingsley, I wouldn't be able to think of any particular line of his as Doctor Flox. But instead, I would ask him to say, "Oh my word, yes." What is that from? It's from the West Wing. Oh, okay. From the big block of cheese episode that we were talking right. about earlier. Right, yes. <laughs> because just that in particular sticks out to me from the rest of everything else from that episode. Uh yeah. Billingsley, for me, the only Dr. Flox line that I can that like just pops into my head immediately was there was one episode where after a conversation with Captain Archer. Archer's walking away and Phlox just shouts out, Optimism Captain! And then gets this ridiculous (laughs) grin on his face. Which is enhanced by his makeup. Uh Yes, but yes. (laughs) Phlox was a wonderful character on Enterprise. Maybe the one I liked the most? Uh, For me, it's gotta be a, a trip. Connor Trenier's character. Trips, yeah. Uh, 
it, it it's a toss up between those two. I didn't. Um, I completely blanking on the actor's name. You just mentioned him a second ago. Honor to dear. No, the other one. Oh, John Billingsley. No, the other other one. I don't know who you mean at this point. The weapons officer. Oh, uh, Dominic Keating. Yes, Dominic Keating. I also really enjoyed most of Dominic Keating's stuff. Yeah. But Flux, I just like the character. And John mm-hmm. Billingsley was such a perfect fit. Oh, so good. Oh, my God. Because he's he's an amazing character actor. And this just... It, it's like someone was like, I want to write a crazy alien character for John Billingsley. And having met John Billingsley, he wasn't having to work all that hard to act when he was playing Fox. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You know? Having seen John Billingsley in so many other things that I just have to feel like someone said, I really want to make an alien doctor for John Billingsley. I don't care if if he's only on screen for three minutes or three seasons. I just need to write this John Billingsley alien doctor character. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was really cool. Uh, and they there were the, they gave the guests at the Gaze in Space event, like, uh, they, they gave them all little gifts. Mm-hmm. The one that really stuck out in my mind was that they gave J.G. Herstler a rainbow bat lift. Hmm. And then, of course, he grabbed it in the traditional fighting pose for people to take pictures and such. Of course he did. Part of me wonders how many other just random things in his life he picks up in the traditional playing on fighting pose. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. JG, let's rake some leaves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, that Gaze in Space event, I was so glad that I went to that. Um, I had listened to a podcast where they talked about that, where they interviewed a couple people at an event at, in a previous year. And then when I... Um, when I saw the tickets went on sale, I, I'm like, oh, well, that sounded like so much fun. I'm going to buy that. And oh, man, that was it was <laughs> it was amazing. Well, it sounded like it, it was a wonderful time. We'll have to see if Wonder both of us can make it to do they have Stargate conventions? Not anymore. But 17 seasons and three so movies. The company that does this and all the other official Star Trek conventions, Creation Entertainment, they do all sorts of franchise conventions. Okay. That's like their deal. And they used to do a Stargate convention, but um, the last one was a couple years ago, probably just because they were declining membership. What a pity. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean there won't necessarily be another Stargate convention, but at the moment, there aren't any. September 2016 in Chicago was officially the last Stargate SG-1 Atlantis Universe convention. They had... Michael Shanks, Joe Flanagan, Jewel State. I mean, gosh, I mean, they had... I'm looking through this. They had every almost everyone you would expect. I'm going through... I mean, they didn't have uh, Richard Anderson or... That's interesting, because he does lots of conventions. Because mm-hmm. I'm always seeing pictures on Facebook on the various Star, Stargate fan groups of people with the, getting their picture taken with Richard Dean Anderson at conventions. They didn't have him or Amanda Tapping. Hmm. But Joe Flanagan, uh, Paul McGillian, David Hewlett, David Nichol, Jameel Walker-Smith. Wait, who's Jameel Walker-Smith? Uh, Greer from Stargate Universe. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe 
and this is again based on things I've seen. David Nichol is kind of the JG Hertzler of Stargate because he appears to be at almost every Stargate semi-related event. That'd be great. Oh my goodness, Rainbow Sun Franks was there. <laughs> Rainbow Sun Franks uh, played Lieutenant Aiden Ford on Stargate Atlantis, which I'm sure I don't need to tell you, dear listener. <laughs> but he was on for most, not even all of the first season. He was on all of the first season. Okay, and then like, and a couple episodes in season two. And he played a. Uh, he was in a couple of season two. I want to say. No, I don't think he ever returned. I think they wanted to bring him back, but he didn't want to. Okay. Oh, now I know what I was going to say. Yes. You you mentioned Joe Flanagan. Did, did you know that he tried to buy the rights to Stargate Atlantis? Really? Yeah. Uh, MGM wouldn't sell. He wanted to. He wanted to make more, and but the, the, they basically told him it didn't matter how much money he raised, they wouldn't. They weren't going to sell. I mean, due respect to Joe Flanagan, but what exactly has been has he been up to since atlantis i have no idea i'm checking right now i'm on it i'm working on it you don't even have to i mean little things he hasn't been involved in all that much which is unfortunate because he was great on atlantis i really loved it he was but you know you look at that and you have to think yeah i mean there was a brief minute there where he was on a couple of different things but unfortunately he hasn't uh he did something last year before that, nothing since 2013. Mm, so David Hewlett's had a better career since Stargate than he has. Love David Hewlett. Well, yeah, but even David Hewlett hasn't, like, broken out big since Stargate. He's had a few roles in things, but he hasn't had... It's not like he... Other than that one um, sci-fi made-for-TV movie, he has not starred in anything since Atlantis. All right, well, uh, thanks for listening to our very special episode out of time out of franchise out of sequence i you can find me on twitter at gamicus if people want to see your tweets where can they find you at tyrannicus no relation and the whole show is at stargate weekly on both twitter and facebook so we can host up some of the pictures that took from the convention and just repost um Anything Stargate-related we come across that seems entertaining, I guess. And mm. notes about the show. And, you know, let, let you know when a new episode comes out. I mean, I guess. If your podcast app is just downloaded for you. Well, even if it does, sometimes you just want to, you know, have that notification. That's very true. Thank you again for listening. And signing out now. In this episode, I said that Will Wheaton doesn't do Star Trek conventions. That's not entirely true. Will Wheaton doesn't do Star Trek conventions run by Creation Entertainment, which is the company that runs the Las Vegas convention, uh, due to some issues he's had with their staff in the past and the fact that he does not care for the way they treat their guests.